0: Evening listeners, welcome to the Coaches Area Podcast Season 2, hosted by me, Ross Flintoft. It's in association with Tactical Thinker where the listeners will be able to have full access all areas of coaches talking about the beautiful game. Tonight, my special guest is David Baird. David, you okay? Yeah, I'm good, Ross. Thanks, I'm all good. Brilliant. Alright, we'll kick off the pod. Um, what does football or football coaching mean to you?
1: Um, yeah, I mean, it, it means everything to me. I absolutely loved football as a kid. Um, it was a great way to socialise, uh, make friends. I enjoyed it. Um, I just I, I, I try and bring that to as many people as possible. and try and use football um, to bring that enjoyment. Um, and I love it as a coach, but that that's been a really long journey. You know, I've had times as a coach when it's maybe not been that enjoyable. Like sessions have been... Uh, frustrating um, or like I'm not quite achieving what I want to achieve within sessions or you know I'm driving home thinking that didn't go well today or I'm not really enjoying it but to be honest it's been a while since I've felt like that um, and I really really enjoy coaching and um, I absolutely love it like I, I do as much as I can from my own enjoyment and um, because of some of the education and experiences I've had and so that's what coaching means to me is try and bring that to the coaches as well. You know, a lot of people think that, you know, you've, you, you volunteer to coach and to help out. It's always about, you know, the kids or the people you're working with, you know, to bring them football, to bring them the enjoyment, to allow them to make friends, to allow them to develop. But actually, as a coach, it's like the best experience ever as well. You know, I absolutely love it. Um, but... Yeah, so I find a lot of coaches, you know, they maybe go through the journey once if they decide to coach their son or their daughter. They kind of go through and then a new volunteer does the same the year after. And sometimes that learning doesn't come back into the room. So a big part of the reason why a coach is to try and, you know, always try and share that learning as much as possible. It might just be something I've experienced or the fact that I'm a qualified coach educator. I hear things from other people and I pass it on between them. Um, So yeah, it's all about just sharing the love of the game Not just as a player, but as a coach as well If you get it right, it's so enjoyable
0: Yeah, definitely Again, as much as you're there for the players And everyone involved in in, in the coaching side of things I think as well as um, doing that Having fun with the the players that you coach And and, and bringing on their confidence And inspire them I think you as a coach as well have to be Loving it as much as them, or more than them to do that to keep you know, because coaches can easily fall out of the game if you're not enjoying it, or you've the things happen within your your own life that maybe sometimes that you can't um coach as much as you want, but I think it do you do you think it's a it's a two way street with yeah you have to kinda love what you what you do and obviously kinda. You know, make it fun for the for the players that you coach in in, in the environment that you're in.
1: Yeah, because I think they feed off of your body language and your enthusiasm and and, and things like that. Um, you know, if you go and take a session an hour a week with a, a group of young people, they don't know the rest of your week. You know, you're working nine to five. You're stressed at your job. You know, you've got a young daughter at home who's teething. You know, you've taken four or five sessions already that week before you've seen them. But they don't know any of that. You just need to be on it for that hour that you're you're with them. Um, and as I said, my previous experience, maybe as a younger coach, I was aware of that, and maybe trying to do it from for show. You know, trying to look as if I was enthused. Yeah. But now that i genuinely am, they, they you know they feed off it. Um, they they feed off it a lot more because playing, and I'm, I'm sure a lot of coaches listening Still play five sides, amateur football, maybe some professional footballers. Playing can give you that release. But so can coaching. So it's not about, oh, I'm stressed at my job and I've been up all night and, you know, there's things going on at home and now I need to go and coach. It's like, well, now I get to go and coach and it can be that escape um, if, if it's really, really uh, enjoyable. Um, and I'm sure we can dive into loads of different things throughout our conversation. But, you know, when I was a, maybe a less experienced coach and I've still got those to learn, like when you're pitching the session at the wrong level, whether well, that's too easy or, or, or not challenging uh, enough, that's when players are going to drop out, not, not feed off, and you're going to get frustrated. You, you know, so you know, doing that, going in and understanding what you have in front of you, understanding the actual needs of the session and the people. It, it, it's not that every kid that comes has the desire to play for you know, Barcelona or Real Madrid or their national team or play in the World Cup. It may just be at that current age where they are about fun and friendship. So you, you, you can go in and be a little bit more relaxed because you're you saying to them, do you know what, guys, tonight is, is World Cup night. I'm going to put you in teams. You're going to pick your country. Everyone's going to play each other once. We're going to have a knockout, you know, and, and just making it really good fun. And, you know, I love I, I love things like that. So, yeah, loads of things along the way that have made me um, probably take it less seriously, make it more fun. And actually, the players have developed probably a lot more because I'm pitching things at the right level. They work harder when they're enjoying it anymore. I'm really big on the games-based approach, which obviously um, we, we, we can come into. Um, and when you're relaxed and you're pitching sessions at the right level, you can be yourself, and it gives more space for asking kids how they are. I, I, I talk a lot about working with kids because that's what I do the majority of the time. Having conversations, asking them if they watched, you know, did they see Bappy's school last night? And how was school today? And how's your brother doing? And having all these conversations. And all of a sudden, you're building really crucial relations that it doesn't really matter what you're doing. They're working really, really hard uh, and they're developing because you're investing in them as, um, as people. So, yeah, it's a, absolutely a, a two-way street. If the, if the coach is doing all the right things, the players are going to be doing all the right things as well.
0: Yeah, brilliant. Um, what is your coaching journey to date? So where, when you started to now sitting on the pod,
1: um, yeah, I'll, I'll try not to take too much time on this because I've been coaching for a, a long time. You know, I did um, I did college uh, to get my HNC and my HND. That then took me into the third year of university for, you know, sports coaching and sports development. I was really lucky that alongside my studies, uh, I was doing a bit of coaching at what was more of a kind of entertainment destination. Um, Kevin Keegan, when he retired, opened a place called Soccer Circus in Glasgow uh, near, near where I live. Um, so I was coaching in there um, and it was, you know, we did birthday parties, we did summer camps, we did individual technical clinics, you know, kids would come in and work on their, their shooting or their goal scoring or their defending. Um, so I had really good experience just in like the fun element, um, you know, kids would sign up for things, they'd come along. Uh, then after that, I was lucky enough to go and coach in the Middle East for a year in, in, in Dubai. Um, and then I coached four or five years in New Jersey, uh, which was a great experience, as I'm, I'm sure a lot of coaches are familiar with. You know, being able to go to a country where the sport's really, really growing. Uh, in this instance, uh, I went to America, um, and it gave you an opportunity to coach every day. You know, you were coaching every night and, and taking uh, game day teams on a Saturday and Sunday, and it was such a good learning curve. You know, trying things, growing your confidence, what worked, what didn't work. Um, Working different age groups, different ability levels. Coaches been on before you and been on after you, so you could hang around and watch them if you had the desire to do so, which I did. I've always been really keen on learning, and coaching is just something I really enjoy, so I've always wanted to learn a little bit more about it. So I coached in America for a number of years. I moved back to um, Scotland, I moved to Edinburgh in 2016. Um, And uh, I actually, you know, moved back and got a job, um, just a nine to five job in another field that I'm really interested in, which is like behavior change and uh, mindset and essentially, you know, trying to motivate people to do what they they maybe want to do, but they find difficult or they don't want to do. I, I worked in a... Program um, where it was, you know, people are wanted to lose weight, people are wanted to give up alcohol, people are wanted to start going to the gym, people who wanted to stop smoking or take care of their health better. And I was doing that nine to five and then coaching evenings and weekends. And the amount of stuff I learned in my day job that I took into my coaching, this element of my life could, could be a podcast on its own, was so, so beneficial. Uh, I, I learned so much during my job around how instruction can really not work in some instances, you know, people don't really like being told what to do and actually it can be human nature to be defiant if you're telling people what to do. um, They're just waiting for you to stop talking so they can then justify their own behaviours. They're not really taking on board, you know, some of the things you're saying and I found that really interesting and tried to take that into my coaching in in evenings and weekends. Um, As I say, my day job, a lot of it was about building the right environment for people to have motivations to to change their own behaviours. Took that into my own coaching, you know, building environments and, and, and I've, I've done a lot of work and shared a lot of stuff on this through social media and whatnot since then and I just found that the players, the children, the age groups I was working with in evenings and weekends, the motivation just went through the roof and um, I, I did see more change when it was driven by, you know, by the environment and people have to take ownership of their own motivations to work a wee bit harder or learn or ask questions and so yeah I was, I was doing that and then um, And then I was lucky enough, uh, I think it was towards the end of 2017, maybe just into 2018, I was lucky enough to kind of go full-time in in football. So I've worked as a a coach educator and a football development officer uh, full-time since since 2018, Uh, kind of qualified coach educator. It's something I really, really enjoy. Um, And I know something we may come on to, um, I've been doing little fun games for years uh, that I now call scoreboard soccer games. It's an area of my work I'm really passionate about. been doing them for years and it was actually the pandemic and lockdown that gave me the space to sit down and, you know, I wrote a book on that concept. as a slightly different way to coach coach people. Um, created the website and app and all that, but we can come on to that and, and that's, what, that's where I am today. I'm still really passionate about raising awareness and sharing my scoreboard soccer stuff uh, and I'm still a coach, educator and a football development officer.
0: Okay. It sounds like you've had an absolutely you know, mixed, very valuable experience through when you started your journey and, and, and where you are now. Um, mm-hmm. Could you tell us more, could you tell the listeners, sorry, uh, more about being a coach educator and what does the job entail?
1: Yeah, a lot of it is, you know, sharing your own experiences and sharing your own, you know, maybe knowledge and courses that you've been on and things that you've read that maybe some volunteer coaches don't have time to do, and you know, I, you know, I've been there, and I'm still there. I still, I still a volunteer coach. Um, but if you're working that nine to five, um, and you've got other things going on, you've got family, whatever it may be, and you're going out in the evenings, weekends, you, you maybe just want that, you know, someone who's who's done a lot of the reading, who's done a lot of the listening to podcasts, the courses, who's surrounded by the the world twenty four seven as I am in my job to come with the almost like the best bits and the most important bits and filter it into you know bite size uh, size ways. So I think that's a big bit of of coach, of coach educating and um, but also just share best practice across the volunteers that I support um, because I learned so much from them as well. Uh, so again if you go to that you know mum or dad who's just coaching their sons or daughters team um and they come across a real world problem, it may be well in my role as a coach educator Came across that a couple of years ago with a different volunteer or I have someone at a different club that I'm currently talking to and they tried this and it worked really well. Um, so it really is just, you know, being that support, being there for people that need to reach out with questions. It might be something like, you know, I want a session plan to help me try and achieve this and, and through my experience I can provide them one or I've been working on this, it's not quite working, do you have any reason why? And as I've already alluded to, maybe I can go my experience to be like, well maybe the children are a bit young, maybe they're not quite ready for that. Um, so yeah, it's just share a bit of practice across loads of different experiences that you have.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think what you were saying before about uh, like the volunteer coach having a nine to five job and in 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 working full time and then mm-hmm. coach on the night time and in the match maybe um, weekends. I think it's great for for someone. Like you to be there to support them to tap into your knowledge, just like you said. To you've read all the um stuff about football. You read all about all the all the sessions. What the kids really want and in 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 need at that particular time. It's just that. Would you say it's just that fine tuning of those volunteer coaches of what works well, what doesn't, what kind of session they need for that kind of environment, that kind of player age, and and and. And things like that yeah i mean it
1: could be every every volunteer is a different person with different challenges so it, it can really really um vary but what you're describing there ross yeah often often it is that um often it's you know just looking through their lens of you, you know they come in and it's quite often my, my son or daughter's team needed someone to volunteer and and they quite like football so they've decided to do it you know the child's 10 years old, um, but they're thinking I can help out because, you know, they play professionally or semi-professionally or because they watch a lot of the professional game on TV and they go on and, you know, they think they can help because they can copy and paste a lot of knowledge from there and, and then the frustration maybe comes because it's very different working with children as it is to obviously work with world-class athletes that have been doing it their whole life um, and it's just going in and uh, sometimes they're, well, the vast majority of the time they're they're not making mistakes because they're they're bad people. They just need that little bit of education in those light bulb moments as to as to why it's different and, and, and where they need to they, they need to pitch things. Um, so yeah, I absolutely agree that that's what it's all about. Um, but as I say they, they all they all could be coming with different challenges, um needing different support. Um, and it's really important trying not to stifle any of their creativity because they'll develop really good ideas on their own. Um, just like when I first started out I felt as if I had good, good ideas you know they'll have good ideas as well
0: brilliant um with all this with all the experience that you have all of the companies that you've coached in I just want to want to tap into what is your favorite session yeah so with all the experiences I have and you
1: know there's loads of realms to coaching out there you know you've if you're in coaching a, a schools programme with the same kids for an hour every day, then, you know, you're, you're doing different stuff to, you know, maybe taking a younger team and you only see them an hour a night. Um, you might be doing adults, you might be doing uh, disability football, you might be working with girls, boys, whatever it may be. Um, there's loads of different coaching out there. The vast experience, like the majority of the experience I have in my coaching and my coach educating is probably stereotypical with boys and girls between the age of you know, 7 and 8 up to about 15 and, and, and 16. So it's kind of like they're first coming in and you really want to make them love the game. You want to give them all equal t- opportunities to develop. They start to go through, you know, it, it goes from loads and loads of individual technical work with a ball each into small, sided games. And then it grows into, you know, we need to become a team and we need to move the ball, maybe a little bit about tactics, formations and stuff. That, that's kind of been the majority of my coaching. And it, within that area, within that arena, I could probably pick four or five bullet points that are quite um, common headaches for myself and people I've talked to and friends that I have that also coach. Um, so engagement can, can often be one, um, you know, keeping everybody engaged. Um, mixed ability levels can always be one. And, and listen, that's coaching. I don't think there's a session in the world in the pro game and the semi-pro game and the youth game where there's not mixed ability levels because everyone's different but that, that that can be a real headache um, you've got all these things yeah engagement discipline mixed ability levels how do you push on the ones that are doing well how do you lift up the ones that need a bit of extra support how do you not neglect all those ones in the middle how do you keep these two or three kids that can be quite hard work um, in regards to attention spans on side, you know, not to attribute the rest of the, the group. So I've experienced all this, and to come back to the question on my favourite session, this was a big part of my scoreboard soccer games, it was kind of taking these four or five things that I see quite prevalent in almost any session with uh, with young players and trying to keep them all in check. Um, so, yeah, I play scoreboard soccer games with pro- probably any group from six to 16, and they're certainly my, my, my favourite games. I just think they're such a great way to keep everybody striving, everybody smiling. I've never worked with a group that hasn't enjoyed them. Um, and
0: I think it's just such a good tool for development, uh, uh, to be honest. Brilliant. Um, quite excited about this, the next couple of um, points. Um, now on the pod. Can can you talk more about you you've alluded to scoreboard soccer, but if there's anybody listening, any coach that you know that hasn't kind of seen this on X or Twitter or whatever we're calling that social media <laughs> platform now. Um can can you talk more about scoreboard soccer please?
1: Yeah, I mean it's just another um component to throw into your armory as a coach, you know, I still do rondos, I still do small sided games, fitness drills, condition games, but I do lots of scoreboard soccer games as well and, and maybe your coach want to give it a go, so, um, yeah, if I'm, if I'm doing small sided games, I'll often add a scoreboard and, and turn them into what I call scoreboard soccer games. So, yeah, to take the listeners back to where this concept first started, as I've already alluded to, I'm a big fan of games-based approach. If I play 4v4 with a group of kids, maybe I've got loads and I've set up, you know, three or four pitches of 4v4, that's when some of those issues can creep in that I've alluded to. You know, so the engagement, the ability levels, the discipline, if I just play and then, then step back, it, it can be an issue. So what I'll do is I'll play 4v4, but I'll set up a crossbar challenge beside the pitch. I, yep. know, I know the players love that, of all age groups. And I'll say, right, everyone, we're playing 4v4, Reds against the Blues, but it's the team that hits the crossbar the most that wins. How do you get a shot of the crossbar challenge? Through merit. You need to work hard, you need to do something good. I'll tell you to come off the pitch and try and get a point. And now your games, as I've already alluded to, the engagement and the effort, it just goes through the roof. The discipline's kept in check. And then you can be quite smart as a coach in regards to mixed ability levels. So whatever you pull Ross off the pitch for might be different to what you pull David off the pitch for. If David, within his current level of development, is doing quite well and he's quite towards the top of the group, maybe he needs to take on two or three players and then, you know, finish with a side foot into the bottom corner. You're saying, David, I love that. Come over to the crossbar challenge, try and get a a point for your team. Now, the game continues while David's off. They need to navigate the overloads, the defending outnumbered, they need to problem-solve. The pictures on the pitch are always going to change. Again, alluding to why I think they're so important for development. However, you know, Rebecca might be there for the very first night and playing football for the very first time, you know, because she turned to mum and dad and said, you know, I wanna I wanna come to football. So what does good look like for her? She might just try and touch the ball, you know, she might just try and dribble the ball. Doesn't matter if she gives it away, I might say, Rebecca, that's great confidence. You're here for the first time, you tried to dribble the ball, don't worry you gave it away. You know, come over for a shot at the crossbar challenge. So add that fun game to become the scoreboard. And obviously I'm using the, the crossbar challenge as an example. Um, it could be really simple in regards to using a bottle of water and saying, right, we're playing a game, whatever team flips this bottle of water wins. Or you probably know the game I'm talking about, Ross. Kids love to flip a bottle of water and, mm-hmm. and land it, you know, the right way up. When, yeah. when I put a bottle of water next to a small-sided game to work as a scoreboard, the game becomes like the World Cup final. The kids just, they, they work so hard because they want a big well done from the coach and they want to come over flip the water bottle. And if they land it, they go crazy. It's 1-0 to their team. They'll sprint back on the pitch and they're keen to do something else good. So, as I say, really, really good for engagement. Really good for mixed ability levels because you'll line up plays with where people are on their journey. And just really good for development because now you have a situation where the players are working really, really hard, which is obviously going to, going to help them. And you're always changing the picture on the pitch. You know, they're going to have to navigate and see, OK, we're 3v2 because they've got a player at the scoreboard that's trying to take advantage of this. You know, or it's 2v2, we need to take more touches and take, take people on. Um. So that, that that's what scoreboard soccer is. And obviously I can dive really deep into the weird and wonderful things you can do with the concept. Um. But the real basic premise is,
0: a game of football with a fun challenge that keeps oh. Brilliant. Um could you talk a more about um the website? So I think um when I was last on it you had kind of um settings for like individual or or clubs. Can what what would what would a um what does scoreboard soccer offer for clubs if they wanted to bring this into their kind of coaching philosophy, ethos kind of curriculum um, yeah. for the clubs?
1: Yeah, well, because I've been delivering these games for you know six or seven years now, um, I've got a lot of experience to share. So with the younger ones, um, we do scoreboards that are just really good fun, like Flipping the Water bottle. we've got one called Slam Ball, Find the Nemo, Bananas and Strawberries. And they, they're just like really crazy fun games that we do with the kids. And they're like so motivated to go over there. So again, they're all trying their best. They're all engaged and, and we make the games really competitive because they can see the scoreline, which I think is a big part of youth football is embracing that uh, competitiveness in young people. Um, so the programme will, will take the clubs kind of through the age groups. You know, I'll say, OK, if your club has kind of under-sixes, under-sevens, under-eights, scoreboard soccer is a really good introduction to the game of football because it has that, that gamification, you know, you're kiddifying the game a little bit as well. It's fun, it's positive, Every kid should get in the car and tell dad or mum, you know, the coach said well done, and I got to come over and flip the water bottle, and or I got to come over and beat the goalie, or you know whatever it could be. And um, but what we do with the program is we show how that can be scaled up. So when you get a little bit older, you know, we talk about including the ball at the scoreboard. We talk about throw-in challenges because throw-in is going to become part of the game. So if the scoreboard does come over take a throw in and try and knock a ball off uh, a cone, you know, if the player comes over and their back foot is off the ground and they do poor throw-in technique, I'm going to work with that player at the scoreboard on their throw-in technique while the rest of my players are just benefiting from a games-based approach because they're, they're just playing. Um, so we talk about technique as they get a bit older. Um, you know, we do free-kick challenges, we do juggling challenges, we do passing challenges, we do throw-in challenges. Um, but as they as they grow even more within their development, and apologies I'm going a bit deep on this, we teach coaches of within that environment, okay, removing David momentarily is good for his individual development because he's got some positive reinforcement, he knows what he did was good, so keep giving us more of that. But now, how do we coach 4v3? Can we freeze and talk to the four, right, before David makes this recovery run back in, this is how we want you to, or or here's some ideals. How you can make the pitch big, length, depth, you know, rotations and things to score, or maybe one of the three on how they delay the attack until until David comes back in. So what the program offers is loads of content. Uh, you get access to all the scoreboard soccer games on scoreboardsoccer.com, dot um, but also these these workshops. You know, to show coaches things like how you would create a full session plan, uh, how you would lead into scoreboard soccer. You know, if you work on something within a, a drill element. Scoreboard Soccer is going to give you a good opportunity to praise that when they try and take it into games. Um, and we also go through some some things that we don't want coaches to fall into. I won't, I won't go into this in too much detail because it's a big part of the workshops that some of your listeners might be interested in. Yeah. In Scoreboard Soccer, we never tell them what we're going to praise. You know, we never say, right, we're playing five a side, and if you do the Cruyff turn, or if you use the weaker foot, you're going to get sent to the scoreboard. Because now you've tainted all their motivations. They're not doing these things because they've recognised the right moment and the right time to do it. They're doing it because an adult's told them to because it's their what. You know, that's not problem solving, decision making and learning when and where to perform different skills. Um, so, yeah, we, we go over how to do scoreboard soccer, but we actually go over uh, how
0: not to deliver scoreboard soccer as well. But I, I won't go into that take, take too much time on that yeah definitely that's that's great for the club environment in the, in the in the maybe for volunteer coaches just starting to get out and, and you know trying to come in, coming from work and um work a full-time job and come to come to train and that, that I think that's great for like the you know like the under 6s 7s 8s That fantastic um for for the club point of view and, and with you I think game-based approach for any uh age is probably mm-hmm. the best because all what you really want to do. Uh, I'm I'm nearly thirty six, and if mm-hmm. I was training now or I'm playing for a team now, all I would want to do when I turn to training is play a game and score a goal.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and um, y- y- and that's why we praise effort uh, loads of different behaviours because every player is different. So, what's the good thing about scoreboard soccer is you know a lot of these. Coaches that are volunteering the 678 year olds they're, they're wondering what to do. And loads of coaches will say, oh, small-sided games are great for that age group. And they're absolutely right. But the real-life headaches they might have is, is one or two players dominating the ball, uh, disengagement, and, and maybe some poor behaviour. Um, so what you, you can do is, is add that scoreboard that I've obviously spoken about. But it's great because when David's a player who's dominating the ball, dribbling by everybody and scoring... We're not stifling his creativity or, or, or trying to bring him down to everyone else's level. We're making him know that's a really good thing. I love that you can dribble by everybody in school. Come and do this, you know, for a bonus point. And if that's beat the goalie, then he's over getting some individual shooting while um, the ball gets to be shared a little bit by some of the other kids. But, you know, if my daughter comes on to session, she's probably never going to be, at this moment, the girl who's going to dribble by everybody in school. You know, so she should get the opportunity to work on her shooting because she, she needs it. So it might just be she makes a good pass or a good tackle or she shouts, you know, well done to one of her teammates. anything you want to praise. It can be, you know, come to the scoreboard, try and beat the goalie and then let her get three or four shots at the, at the scoreboard and grow her confidence for when she she comes back into the game. And uh, I've alluded to a point there that's really big on the club workshops. It might just be my personal philosophy as a, as a coach. And, um, you know, coaching those transferable skills as well Yes, we might throw kids off for defending and passing, dribbling, shooting, but yeah, let's talk about communication and resilience and teamwork and sportsmanship and lifting people up when they fall down and telling them unlucky when they miss and encourage them to do better next time. Uh, Because we want those transferable skills that they need, Uh, you know, off off the pitch as well. Um, And it's really good to give the kids a voice as well. You know, when you say to them, what, what kind of things could be praised? They'll tell you all the good behaviours on the pitch. You want them verbalising and vocalising that. Then they see their teammate get praised for that. You know, the amount of times I've said, Rebecca, come to the scoreboard. You, you didn't even touch the ball, but love the fact of spreading out and creating a little bit of space. Come over and get a shot of the fun challenge. And then all your young players start to just kind of spread out a little bit. Um, because it's just positive reinforcement. We're highlighting the good stuff. We're rewarding it. Um, because sometimes unfortunately the default mindset when working with, with kids which is a shame is quite a negative one there are a lot of coaches out there that will look at what are they doing wrong what do I need to correct what do I need to fix now listen there's a place for that but I would argue it just comes a little bit later the first thing we need to do is make them absolutely love the environment absolutely love the sport and keep coming back and then we can throw some speed bumps and resilience at them later on but we, we need to burn that fire that they love the game and 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 keep harping back to my my passion project. I just think scoreboard soccer is a great way to do that. Because if I was eight or nine years old and the coach said we're playing small-sided games, I'm already all in because I love football. But I know some of my mates would really love the scoreboard element because they may not excel on the pitch, but they may excel at the scoreboard. Um, Essentially what scoreboard soccer does is it lines up winning to effort whatever team, whatever individuals try their best, that's the team that's going to win. The scoreline's not going to be reflective of what kids at puberty first, what kids currently a little bit more advanced. You know, it's going to be reflective on who's trying their best. And, and obviously, hopefully your listeners, some of them will be motivated to type scoreboardsoccer.com um, into their phones or their, their laptops uh, and have a wee look at the website, which has loads of scoreboard games, but... Also loads of other coaching content as well. You know, there's tag games, there's passing, dribbling, shooting practices, full session plans, loads of other stuff as well.
0: Brilliant. Um you alluded to the you, you know, you've got the website, you've got the um app now. So is there any difference from any any information different from the app to the website or is everything on the app is that obviously like you know you it's, it's it obviously it's mobile so you can take it on the go you can have a look at it before training and and things like that is, is, I haven't I'm going to be honest really honest I haven't created an app I haven't got a clue how you would create an app I don't know if it's cheap or if it's expensive or or what so if people are thinking, you know like they've got kind of, if their club would like an app and, you know for training for different sort of uh, things equipment subs. Uh, how they pay the money? They might want to create an app so it's easy, and then get yourself, get you you, uh, your scoreboard soccer on this app for the for the full club. How 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 does that work? If yeah, if you can tell yeah, us that. Yeah, um,
1: so uh, I, I'm not. I'm actually not that technologically gifted, uh, Isla. Um, but I think in some respects we've evolved a wee bit from an app and a website being being different things depending on the provider. So, um. The app and the website, the Scoreboard Soccer app and website, are the exact same thing. You know, if you're on your phone and you've got a browser open, you can go to scoreboardsoccer.com. But when you're on that, it, it tells you you can hit a button to install it as an app. So it's just got an icon on your phone next to all your other apps and it's just quick access. And it's a little bit more user-friendly installing it as an app as well. It, it kind of looks good and it works really well as an app. Um, so yeah, if you're on your laptop and you're doing some work, as I say, you can open up a, a website and go to scoreboardsoccer.com or you can open scoreboardsoccer.com on your phone, click a button and it will just install um, straight onto your, your your home screen. So yeah, the app and the website are one and the same, the, the, the exact same thing. Um, but part of the club program, um, you, you your users will notice if they check out scoreboardsoccer.com, There's loads and loads of free content, but there's also some more premium content and just a little bit, you know, longer videos, full session plans, player demonstrations, attached PDFs. There's quite a bit of premium content on there. The club program gives you a series of scoreboard soccer workshops, you know, just to educate your coaches on some of the things we've already uh, discussed, you know, what that is, how you roll it up, how you roll it to different age groups and stuff like that, but it also gives Every single person at the club a premium account to scoreboardsoccer.com. So they get loads and loads of, uh, uh, of content. And, and obviously, anyone who's listening who thinks maybe I want to get that from a volunteer coaches um, or, or for the club, I'm happy to set up a Zoom call and share my screen and, and show what you get because it is quite a lot of, of content. You get a series of workshops from myself over Zoom, and you get, as I say, unlimited premium accounts to the, the scoreboardsoccer.com app
0: brilliant um i'm sure if people subscribe people go on the website go on on the app and they'll probably be wondering the animation software what what type of animation software do you use i i use the same the same one um not as good as you on the animations by the way i think you are kind of the animation guru of um the Tactical Pad, because I know you've done, you know, a couple of um, webinars on that. Um, can you tell us what Tactical Pad is? was was very useful for, um, in general, and for your um, website and app?
1: Yeah, yeah, and, and Tactical Pad, it, it makes me look good, you know, because, you know, you're saying I'm the, the, the guru at it. It's actually just great software, because as I say, I'm not... I'm not great on the the laptop and stuff and stuff like that so yeah i use tactical pad and and i use it extensively and i've used it for years uh mainly because uh, fernando who owns tactical pad and developed it's a you know a good friend so i've used it for years it's it's just such a good tool to have a bank of things you know coaching resources and things that work well so my coaching process has never really changed I'm a pen and paper guy when it comes to planning. When I plan my sessions, I always plan my sessions, even when I know inside out what I'm gonna do, I still see benefit in just writing it down and jotting it down. Um, and sometimes that gives me the confidence to try new things as well. So I write down my session on pen and paper, I go out and I deliver it. This is just my process. I go out and I deliver it on the pitch. I come in and on pen and paper I might edit or, or type in a few notes. And if I think it's worked quite well and I want to store that, I'll, I'll jump on Tactical Pad software, I'll draw it up as an animation, and I'll store it in my, my files under, you know, was it a Rondo, was it a SmallSafe game, was it a scoreboard software game, was it a passenger passing Drill, whatever, and, and I'll store it in there. Um, and then, obviously, you and I, Ross, have connected over Twitter. What I'll do quite often when I've created the animation is I'll just go and share it on Twitter just to see if anyone else can take some um some some ideas from it, you know, adapted to their own their own programme. So yeah, I use Tactical Pad and I highly recommend it to anyone who's listening if you're looking for a session planner. As it's, it's so so easy. It, well like anything, I probably found it tough initially. It takes a little bit of getting used to. Um but yeah, get Tactical Pad on the laptop. Um my my biggest advice would be just to try it out. As as Ross says there's as you say, Ross, there's some um, tutorials on YouTube. If you type in my name in Tactical Pad, it can give you some tutorials as well. But just can't, can't recommend it enough. Um, as as you'll see on scoreboardsoccer.com, there's loads of animations I've created on Tactical Pad. I think they're a great way to um, have a little look at what's going on within the session. Um, and you can create PDF session plans as well on the software, which is, which is great.
0: Brilliant. Um, lastly, just looking at courses and book recommendations, what would be... Um, couple of questions here. Um, what's been your, what would be the recommended course for the listeners, and what has been the best course you've been on?
1: Um, I don't know if I'll be able to narrow it down to the best, but uh, I'll, I'll I'll try. um before I go into other people's courses, obviously, I would say you know if any clubs do want to get involved in the Scarborough Soccer Program, I think those courses are. Are decent, you know, I, I, I do some webinars, I share my screen, uh, share my experience, and I'm on one hand for for questions, and then you get access to loads and loads of content. So, I think they're not not bad. Um, courses that I would highly recommend, and um, I, I think the youngest age groups are so so important to give them the right uh introduction into football, um, which doesn't always look like football, you know, it's tag games, yeah. it's free play. It's hopping, skipping, jumping, throwing, catching, bouncing the ball so they get used to the flight of the ball, the texture of the ball, how much force you need to put on it for it to move X, X amount. Um, I think the youngest age groups are really, really crucial. Ones. I'm really passionate about them. I love working with the youngest ones. So within that element, I don't know if you've checked out or not yet, Ross, the play phase course from English FA is absolutely fantastic. Um I would, and it's an e-learning course. You know, you just go on, you do it within your own time. Um, you watch a couple of videos, you click through a couple of scenarios. Sometimes on these types of courses, I can almost do them in the background because I'm quite keen to see what's going on. This one, I was pretty hooked, was pretty addicted to it. You yeah. know, reading through everything, watching everything. A Couple of light bulb moments for me, thought it was great. The play phase course is excellent uh, from English FA. Similar little age group uh, for five to eight year old girls the UEFA Playmakers course, which I, I, I deliver on as, as part of my role as a coach educator, is superb. Superb. Um, and, and, and I make the differentiation of it being a, a, a programme for girls because it can be slightly different yeah. uh, coaching young girls to, to coaching young boys. A lot yeah. of similarities, but a couple of differences as well. So playface course, the Playmakers course. I'm, I'm talking about these courses a lot and, and I talk about them on my stuff as well because it's, I think we're going through a real positive culture change of understanding what sport should look like for the younger ones, understanding how important it is to develop that love for the game, how important, you know, more skills are before you necessarily force the ball in at their feet, you know, hopping, skipping, jumping, changing direction is going to build crucial muscles before they even do that. Yeah. Um, I think we're getting better at things like autonomy. Uh, giving kids voice and choice. Um, if anyone's listening to the Play the Way podcast, it's absolutely excellent. Uh, I think we're getting better at understanding that the word "coach" has connotations. So when mums or dads or volunteers or students throw their hands up to coach, you're thinking Pep, you're thinking Klopp, you're thinking Emma Hayes, you're thinking you know professional coaches. Sometimes that's where your mind goes. Yeah. But actually. Young ones, do they need a coach, or do they need just need a facilitator of football, or a facilitator of fun, or as are called on the play phase captains of play, or as are called on play leaders, uh, playmakers, play leaders. I think we're getting better at all that stuff. So sorry, I'm I'm reiterating the courses here, but they're really, really uh, fantastic. Um, Last recommendation I'll give, just because I've recently returned from the United Soccer Coaches Convention unbelievable experience if anyone can get over to Chicago next year definitely do it it just pulls together loads of best practice from all around the world under one roof people from the professional game the youth game the grassroots game volunteers sideline behaviour courses about engaging parents and um, you can actually achieve qualifications there as I say I've just returned from it um, delivering scoreboard soccer over there absolutely fantastic Um, so hopefully that's a a couple of things, um, but for coaches, just yeah, keep learning, keep looking at podcasts, books, courses. You can't do too much.
0: What about uh, your book recommendations?
1: Yeah, um, so you know, as, as I say, check out the Scoreboard Soccer book if you want. Yeah. Uh, I've written a book on the concept, um, talking about when that comes into development. So it's actually split into three sections: of the Scoreboard Soccer book, three curriculums. There's the Storybook Soccer which is engaging young people in um, you know storylines, you know, pretending to be pirates or pretending to be spaceships and, and playing loads of games. Then you've got my scoreboard stuff that I spoke about, you know, games with fun challenges on the side. Then we've got strategy soccer, which is like, okay, we've gave them that and football's a really positive place and they're loving it and they're developing a little bit one and give them some strategies to, to actually learn the game in a little bit more detail. Mm-hmm. So obviously, yeah, I would uh, encourage one book and, and always open to feedback and discussions around that. Uh, other books that I enjoy, my, my good friend Carl Wilde's got two uh, fantastic books. If you kind of Google search Carl Wilde and get his books on Amazon, uh, they're great. Particularly like the second one, which gives you a kind of series of practices that you can do it's like 20 practices but with slight adaptations you can get hundreds of session plans for them really really good um not always coaching books as well you can learn a lot from other industries uh so atomic habits is one that i talk about a lot by james clare it's a fantastic book um trying to think what else leadership books are good uh, 11 rings by phil jackson it's a fantastic book. There's a book called "The Management" um, about high level managers. For Alex Ferguson's uh, featured in it a lot. Really good for like teamwork and leadership and, and everyone putting together. And then last one, well, last couple because I'm going off here now. Damien Hughes has got some really really good books. I think it was Damien Hughes that wrote the book called "Barca." Um, Barca being an acronym, B A R C A, for for different stages of the book, and it's really really good. It's about is a little bit of a buzzword just now, isn't it, Ross, around like, getting yeah. a culture and everybody buying yeah. into the same thing and pulling in the same direction. And that book is just amazing around building the culture and bringing in what's called, you know, cultural architects, the people that are going to uh, pull in the same direction as you getting out what I think um, Damien calls uh, the cultural assassins. You know, and Andrew Postacoglu said recently, one bad attitude is hundreds of problems. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, really good book on, on culture. Hopefully that gets your listeners a couple, um, but I'm always, on the, I'm always on the lookout for more um, really important resource of learning
0: and yeah. knowledge to, to read these books. Brilliant. Uh, so if anybody would like, you know, offer this, listening to the, the, to the pod, um, and if they want to get in touch on social media, um, what social media outlets can we reach you on, David?
1: Yeah, I'm on uh, all of them, uh, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, Twitter, and I'm all under the same handle of uh, at Coach David Baird. So you can reach me on at Coach David Baird. really like to network and connect with people, so uh, you know, send me a message and give me any feedback on this podcast or, or whatever it may be. Uh, yeah, I'm at Coach David Baird, um, and my email address is just david at scoreboardsoccer.com if anyone wants more information on the, the Scoreboard Soccer
0: uh, programme. Brilliant and we've got a couple of minutes left so I'm going to ask, I know this is not part of the questions that I sent you through but I want to ask you this question because I think it's quite um, an important one for, for for what you're doing being a coach educator and you know helping, supporting, guiding volunteer coaches, youth coaches, academy coaches, semi to, to pro coaches, what does the future have in store for David Baird?
1: Um, I don't think I'm thinking about the future too much because I'm really quite happy where I am. You know, whatever role I can have that has the biggest impact on particularly young players, Um, as I've spoken about, just like making them really passionate and giving them the right uh, building blocks within the game. That's kind of, you know, where I want to be. That enjoyment of the game and hopefully that lifelong participation. I'm just a huge believer that if we get it right at the youngest age groups, who burn a fire for football that could last a lifetime. You know, they could go play pro, or they might just, you know, play with their friends or five-a-sides. They might be involved in the game up to walking football. They might become referees or scouts or coaches or managers. Um, so I'm really fortunate that at the moment I'm in a role uh, where I can try and get as many people involved in football as possible, try and keep them involved in the game, share the benefits of football, you know, physical and mental health benefits, enjoyment, social benefits, I'm a coach educator that can, you know, if I can impact one coach to do that with twenty kids, then then great. Um, so I'm not, I'm not too sure where I see myself, up with where I where I currently am.
0: To, to to be honest, really, really happy with what I'm currently doing. Brilliant, David. Um, really enjoy chatting to you tonight on the pod. Um, hopefully, there might be a time where where. It, you have a different concept. Scoreboard soccer maybe grown into something else or mm-hmm. whatever it may be. And I would delighted to have you back on the pod for the part two if you fancy it. But Absolutely. thanks very much for spending nearly fifty minutes with me. Obviously you didn't have to with obviously it's on a Sunday night. Um so I I do appreciate your time and thanks very much for coming on the pod and all the best uh wishes for scoreboard soccer. Um and hopefully we can see us uh, still putting some stuff out on XR or, or Twitter on, on social media. So thanks very much, David.
1: I appreciate it, Ross. Thank you.